right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's good to have you guys here at our Florence location. Can we show some love for those in Lawrenceburg? Man, it's good to have you guys in the house. Everybody else watching online, our Faith Church family who's watching online, and those who are joining us maybe for the first time, we want to say welcome and say, man, we're so glad that you decided to join us. We say it every week that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, which means no matter who you are, where you're at, what you're going through, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Come on, have people know that's true? Come on. Well, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a privilege to have you guys here in the house. We are starting today, uh, week three of a series we started a couple weeks ago entitled Fresh Start, right? We're just following the momentum of a new year. Like many of you, we know that, right, a lot of times we look, we do an evaluation of our lives, we look around and just the first of the year is a great opportunity for us to make changes, for us to make adjustments. And what we find is that God speaks a lot to some of the areas of our lives that I decided to tackle in this series, right? It's an opportunity for a mulligan, a do-over, a fresh start. So week one, we talked about fresh faith, that a lot of us, we struggle with doubts and discouragement and fear in 2020 with all of the obstacles we face. The declaration we're making is God wants us to have fresh faith. God wants us to believe big things from a big God. Come on, how many people know that God's going to do some great things in your life in 2021? So fresh faith is just this new perspective and way to look at life through the lens of who God is. Last week, we talked about fresh fitness, right? That our bodies are biblical, that if we're going to do everything God's called us to do, we have to be healthy. Next week, we're going to talk about fresh friends and the relationships that are significant and impacting our decision, the direction of life. But today, I want to talk about fresh finances. Now, right away, I know that's not a popular topic, right? Some of you guys were like, wait, the preacher's talking about money, right? Pastor, shouldn't you like, right, not talk about money in church the same way you shouldn't talk about religion to your friends? And I would say, absolutely not. I think we need to have both those conversations. I think Jesus talks about both those things, so we need to talk about them, right? Our friends need to know about God's grace, and we as Christ followers, we need to know about God's requirements and calling our life for stewardship. So I'm going to have a hard conversation today because I believe that God ultimately cares about money. The same way our bodies are biblical, our stuff is spiritual, right? Our money and the things we own, they matter to God. Something that we spend so much time pursuing and chasing and going after I think if we're honest, a lot of the things that we worry about, a lot of the things that frustrate us and discourage us and keep us up at night really comes back to the idea of finances and our stuff. So you better believe that something that occupies so much of our time and our attention, God has a lot to say about it. So everybody say fresh finances. So what would your life look like as we start this new year, 2021, with you taking a look, a fresh look at who you are, what you have, and how you use all that God's given you? So I think if we're honest, probably there are really just five categories that we can put our stuff in. There's only five things that you can do with your money. One of the things that you can do with the stuff you have, your money, is spend it. Do we have any spend it fans in the house? Come on. I mean, everybody likes to spend money. Nobody say, I don't like to spend it. I mean, man, we enjoy buying things for ourselves. We enjoy going out and write a a dinner. Come on, a dinner and a new outfit. Whoo, that'll make anybody's day. Let's go. Fresh kicks on the feet. Get you closer to Jesus, or at least feels like it. So you can spend your money. That's one of the ways that you can use the resources that you have. Certainly not our favorite thing to do, but it is a requirement unless you want to go to prison, is you can pay taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Sam's not here today. 
right? One of the five things you can do is, is pay taxes, your state, federal, local taxes, FICA, list goes on and on. Number three thing that you can do out of five with your finances and your resources is retire debt, right? Retire debt is paying your mortgage payment. It's paying your credit cards. It's, it's, uh, it's paying somebody the $5 you bet them because you thought Ohio State was going to beat Alabama. <laughs> and they didn't even show up. Fourth thing you can do with the stuff you have with your finances is save it. Whether you put it, uh, put, put it in a sock and put it in a mason jar and hide it in a hole in your backyard with a little treasure map for someone to find later, or you put it in a high-yield interest account, which high-yield is going down by the day. If you put it in your 401k, your 403b, ultimately, like, it's that money you save. The fifth thing that you can do with your money, with your finances, is on the count of three, everybody say this, one, two, three, Give. Now, here's the crazy thing. These five categories, this is it. This is all you can do with the stuff you have. Whether you get, whether you get a paycheck, whether you get direct deposit, whether your money goes on a debit card, at the end of the day, here are the five things you can do with the finances you have. You can spend it, pay taxes with it, retire debt with it, save it, or give it. Now, the good news is, is God's word aligns with all five of these. God's word has something to say about all five of these. So if you showed up and thought, I'm just going to talk about giving because the preacher said we're talking about finances, we're going to talk about just all of these for just a minute. When it comes to spending, listen to what God's word says on this idea. Here's what Paul said to another pastor. His name was Timothy. He said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud nor to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Everybody here read this. Come on, Lawrenceburg too. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we, all we need for what? For our? Did you know that God has given you some of the stuff you have because he wants you to enjoy it? There ain't nothing wrong with you buying something that you want if the rest of your finances are in order, if, if you want to take a trip, if you want to buy new shoes, if you want to go to dinner. Did you know that your heavenly father has blessed you? God's word says this, that the blessing of the Lord makes, makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. We have a good God who blesses his kids with good blessing, and he wants us to enjoy the blessing that he has. You shouldn't feel guilty for spending some of what God's given you. God wants you to richly enjoy everything he's given you. He wants you to spend it. The second thing that God's word talks about, one of the five things that we can do with money that God's word co-signs is pay taxes. Now, what's crazy is here in America, we have a group of people, and I imagine they're in other nations, but they're called anti-taxers. Crazy thing is, most of them are Christians, and they're obviously not reading their Bible, because God's word, Jesus himself, advocates us paying taxes. He said this in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 12, someone asked him, and he said, well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Today's translation, he'd say, give to Uncle Sam what belongs to Uncle Sam. Now, I just want to be really clear. Uh, I'm all for tax shelters. I'm all for being smart, doing all you can to give Uncle Sam as little as you can. But at the end of the day, we got pair tax. Can I get amen? Y'all looking at me mean. I'm not sure. If we have an IRS agent in the house, hey. <laughs> the third thing. That God's word co-signs that we can do with our finances, that God really backs up, is retiring debt. Now, let me just say this about debt. I think on one hand, debt is a necessary evil of our society. 
Um, I don't think it's smart, and this is my opinion. This is not necessarily biblical. I think you should buy a house rather than rent a house. I think you should invest in your own home instead of in someone else's home. But at the end of the day, a lot of us don't have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars lying around. So if we're going to own a home, we have to have a mortgage. We have to have debt. But I think God doesn't. While we may have to have a mortgage, I don't think God would co-sign us having three, four, five high-interest uh, credit cards. But God's word does acknowledge that. But here's what He has to say about it. In, uh, in the book of Proverbs, he says this, 22.7, he says, just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. What God is saying is the more debt you have, the more money you owe somebody else, you can't determine where your money goes. Someone else gets to say where your money goes and the day of the month it better show up. The fourth thing that God talks about is saving. So if you're in this room and, and you're not really saving any money, God's word gives us a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs about us being smart stewards of the money we have, including the category of saving. In fact, it says this, Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says, the wise have wealth and luxury. Come on, everybody here read this, but fools spend whatever they get, which means every time something comes in, it goes out, you either spend it, pay taxes with it, or pay bills with it, retire debt with it. He says, no, at the end of the day, if you're going to be wise people, you need to make sure that you are saving money. Now, the last thing God's Word talks about, obviously I'm going to spend time today talking about, is this category, this idea of giving. God's Word says more about giving than it says about spending, paying taxes, retiring in debt, and saving money put together. God's word has things like this to say, that we're to bring all the tithe in the storehouse, that the tithe is 10%, the first 10%, the first and the best belongs to God. Paul said a similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside in some proportion as the Lord blessed you and bring it to God's house, which means those who make little bring little, those who make a lot bring a lot, but proportionately, we bring together what belongs to God. Jesus simply said it this way in Luke chapter 7. He said, give, period. Everybody say that, give. So what is Jesus' thought on giving? He said, give. Wonderful thing is he tied a promise to it. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The same way you measure out, it'll be measured back. How many people know that God's faithful to those who walk in a lifestyle of generosity and giving? So what I want to do is, is I want us to, again, to look and to understand, again, God's word co-signs all five of these. But I want to lean into a story because Jesus kind of tackles the topic with this different way, and I want us to really hear this with an open heart today. Jesus tells a parable in response to this conversation. Here's what happens. Jesus is out, very normal day. He's walking. He's teaching. A crowd has gathered around him. And someone from the back of the room shouts out and says this. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, will you please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me? And what's crazy is this is a very modern problem. This happens all the time. Someone passes away. Someone gets put in charge of the trust. And unfortunately, they don't divvy out to the rest of the brothers and sisters or heirs. And there's all kinds of family conflict. I've seen it many times myself. And this guy's having the same problem. Basically saying, hey, Jesus, like my dad died. The will says I'm supposed to get some of this stuff. But my older brother won't give me my stuff. Tell him to give me my stuff. Sounds like little kids fighting in a house, doesn't it? I want you to notice what Jesus' response is. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such thing as that, things as that? Jesus is saying, hey, uh, I know you like my opinion, but now you're asking me basically to exercise authority in your life. You've never really put me in a place of authority over your life. So Jesus is saying, all at this point I can do is give you my opinion, 
But what I want everybody here to hear today, and what I want you to hear in Lawrenceburg and watching online, if you're a Christ follower, Jesus is judge. See, when the moment you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you also made him your Lord, which means he's not just the God who saves us and gives us grace. He is the God who is over us, who gives us direction. And so we just don't follow him into heaven. We follow him through life. Which means when God speaks to the conversation of money, it's not an opinion, it's a fact. It's not something we listen to, it's something we submit to. Is it crickets in here or is it just me? Like, again, what's crazy is we don't like the judge Jesus. We like the, we like the mercy Jesus. And we like the Jesus who gives us peace when we need it. We like the Jesus who gives us mercy when we need it. We like the Jesus who gives us forgiveness when we need it. But did you know a lot of the things we're praying, God for, praying to God for is because we missed him being obedient on the front end, which means some of the things we need God to help us with the most is because we didn't listen to what he had to say on the front end. So the question is, hey, guy, Jesus said, I can't help you out, but I got something to say to my people. But he opens up really broad, and here's what he says. Then he said, in response to this conversation, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And first he says, hey, beware, which means like all of us, we need to be conscious. We need to be cautious because you could be a greedy person, not think you're a greedy person. And he says, really, it's not just greed in general. It's greed, right? There are more than one kind of greed. There's the covetous kind of greed, the kind of greed where you don't have what you want and you want what someone else has. And like, that's greed. The flip side of that is not having what you want, but having it not willing to give it. That's greed. But then he says this, and this is really crazy because this goes counter to our culture. He says, life isn't measured by how much you own. Well, isn't that crazy? Because we live in a society that tells you that's exactly how you measure life. You measure life by pursuing stuff, having stuff, and saving stuff. Most of our day is, what, what are you going to do tomorrow? You're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're going to pursue stuff. And then you're going you're gonna to have your stuff and enjoy your stuff and wear your stuff and eat your stuff and drive your stuff. And then at the end of the day, you want to make sure you saved enough stuff for your tomorrow. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I want everybody just, you got to hear this. Again, I know this is, that's how culture measures life. That's how this world measures life. When we come to Jesus, Jesus gives us a whole brand new way of living and doing life. And so he's saying, if you fall in the category of culture of measuring your life by how much you own, you're measuring it the wrong way. And then he gives us a story to help us find out if we're the greedy one he's talking about and if we're measuring life the wrong way. And here's the story. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. You like that? My friend. You've stored away, enough away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be married. Now, here's what's crazy is as Jesus tells this story, this guy, he gives an evaluation of this guy's financial priorities. And this guy's financial priorities are four of the things we just talked about. This guy was great at spending money. 
He had the best plot of land. He had the best farming equipment. He had nice barns. And so he was spending money and he was enjoying life. Nothing wrong with it. Jesus wants you to enjoy the things he gives you. He obviously was paying taxes, even though it's not mentioned. Here's how I know. Because at this time in the Roman Empire, if you didn't pay your taxes to Caesar, Caesar would send Roman guards to your house and he would take your stuff, he would take your wife, and he would take your kids, which would motivate some of you not to pay your taxes, but it's cheaper than divorce. Anyways, another message. We are off the rails. But obviously, this guy, he's still got his stuff, so he's paying his taxes. He probably doesn't have much debt. If he does, he obviously has the wealth to cover it. And the last thing we see this guy doing, so he's spending his money, he's paying his taxes, he's retired his debt, and he's saving money. In fact, he has saved so much money, he's like, I've got this thing banked for years. I'm good to go. I got stuff left over, not just for me, but for my kids and for my grandkids. What I want you to notice that Jesus intentionally leaves out of the story is while he does four of the five, the one thing that he leaves out on the count of three, I want everybody to say here in Florence and Lawrenceburg, one, two, three, give. He did not give. What's crazy, again, when you read this story, this guy's the American dream. This, is, this guy's company, his farm company, Fortune 500. This guy made Elon Musk look poor. We would want to be this guy because this guy, right, he spent stuff. He had stuff. He saved stuff. Like, this is the guy we want to be like. And while we would want to emulate this guy, I want you to notice Jesus' evaluation of this man's financial priorities. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. You fool. Like, we're looking at this guy, we're like, I want to be that guy. Like, how do I get on that road? And Jesus looks at him with a whole different evaluation because, again, he's measuring life. This guy was measuring life the way many of us measure life. And Jesus is like, no, he's measured life the entirely wrong way. He's not someone to be emulated. Jesus said he is a fool. Fool why? Fool why? Taking notes, two things. A fool... In the context of why Jesus is, is a name caller, like, right? Somebody like, Jesus, didn't your mom ever, didn't Mary ever tell you don't call someone names? Here's why this guy was a fool in Jesus' estimation. A fool is someone who forgets their heavenly father. Who forgets their heavenly father. How many of you in this room or in Lawrenceburg online, how many of you have a physical budget? Like, you got an app somewhere, you got a piece of paper somewhere, you got a computer program. How many people, come on, you got a budget somewhere, you got a hard budget, like you got a zero balance budget, you know what's coming in, you know what's going out, you're tracking it all, like, you're my type A people, let's go. Like, I like you, we can hang out. A lot of us, right, we have a physical budget. Probably more, though, we have, how many here have a mental budget. Come on, Lawrenceburg, a mental budget. Here's what a mental budget is. A mental budget is it's not written down anywhere, but as soon as you know a paycheck coming mentally, you already know where it's going. Come on, you already know where the money's about to go, right? Like you're getting paid tomorrow and you're like, man, I got to go cash that check. And after I cash my check, I got to put gas in the car. I got to hit the grocery store. I got to go downtown and pay my utilities. Come on. Like you already know. Stimulus check. Some of you got that stimulus money coming and it's already spent. You ain't got it yet. (laughs) 
but it's already spent. That's a mental budget. How many people got the lottery already spent? Like, if you won the lottery, it's already spent. I think I just, like, I don't, if the, I don't know if the lottery just disappeared over all this COVID, but I just saw, like, it's up to $385 million. Mentally, I've already spent that. Everybody I know, listen, getting a new car. Come on, you get in a car. You get in a car. You get, everybody's getting a car. Well, not everybody. Some of you, I don't even know your first name, but... But, like, my parents getting a new car and, like, right, so I'm going to get a new house and I'm going to give all this money to the church. I'm going to help. All. Like, it's crazy. Mentally, we think about all the things I would do. A mental budget is all the things I would do. A physical budget is all the things I'm going to do. And there's nothing wrong with financial planning. However, the problem is is our financial planning should reflect God's financial priorities, which means this guy, I want you to notice, the reason Jesus calls him a fool is because he forgets his heavenly father. He's decided where he's going to spend. He's paid his taxes. He's decided how much debt he's going to retire, and he's decided how much he's going to save. In the story, this guy's got an eye problem, not an eyeball problem. He's got a me problem. He says, I, me, mine, and myself 12 different times. This dude, like many of us here and many of us in Lawrenceburg, we need a meectomy. We need to cut us out of the picture and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our lives. We need to allow God's word to direct our lives in what we're going to do with the stuff that he has given us. We got to remember our heavenly father as we live this life. What does God have to say? Again, what does God have to say? Again, what does God have to say about marriage? What does God have to say about forgiveness and conflict? What does God have to say about life, raising kids? God has all these things to say. And when it comes to the area of finances, so many of us get nervous. So many of us squirm. So many of us tighten up. And I want you to know something. God's not trying to take something from you. Jesus came to give something from you. It's the thief who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And the life he came to give us is found in following the principles he's shown us. And so he's saying, hey, this guy, man, he missed it. He forgot about God. He forgot he's doing four, but he's not doing five. He's not giving. And here's what he's trying to say. Like when you forget your heavenly father, you start thinking it's all about you and everything you have is because of you. Listen, this farmer wouldn't have a farm if it wasn't for God. He wouldn't have tractors and hoes if it wasn't for God. He wouldn't have, come on, he wouldn't have been prosperous if it wasn't for God. He wouldn't have had bigger barns if it wasn't for God. What you all need to know is, listen to me, all that we have comes from God and it all belongs to him. Listen, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't have a roof over your head if it wasn't for God's goodness. You wouldn't have the strength to get out of bed, a car to drive, get into, to drive to. Come on, it is all God's grace and favor and mercy and provision that we have what we have. And so as we maneuver life and we make financial decisions and we continue to exclude God in those conversations, when Jesus would look at you, he would say to you the same thing he said to this man. You're a fool. Because the best wisdom you can have and the best direction you can go and the way to discover life that God has for us is to hear what he has to say and involve him in the conversation and to submit to his teaching. And so this guy, while he did four, he didn't do five. He never included God in the financial conversation. The second reason God calls him a fool is this. A fool is someone who lives unaware of the afterlife. Like this guy's like, hey man, I'm, I'm killing it. 
look, I got all this and I'm saved up. Because again, a lot of us, our financial planning is kind of in this same vein. Like we're focused on retiring debt from yesterday. We need to make sure we're paying those bills off. We're trying to make sure we got enough to make it through today, right? Is there food in the cupboard? Is there gas in the tank? And we're trying to put a little bit away for tomorrow. And while yesterday, today, and tomorrow is important, as people of eternity, we can't forget eternity, that one day this life will end, but your life will go on forever. And this guy said, hey, I, I'm killing it. I am crushing it. I am a squillionaire. And Jesus is like, yeah, you made it, and you spent it, and you saved it, but you didn't give it. And now, it's too late. Your life will be over. He says, you fool. And so as Jesus lays it all out about this guy, then he turns the story around to all of us as we've read through this and heard what he had to say. And he says this. This is how he sums up his story. Everybody, come on, read it together, one voice. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus is saying, I want you to notice he makes a contrast between this idea of storing up earthly wealth in a rich relationship with God. Basically saying like you really can't have both. If you have, if you have an eye problem and you need a meectomy, if your financial decisions only include your voice, then you probably, like, or not probably, he said you can't have a rich relationship with God. And this idea of storing up treasure is a conversation he had earlier, man. It wasn't new information for his disciples. They had been following him and listening to him. And he says this earlier on in Matthew chapter 6. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. And thieves break in and steal. I want to go back to verse 19, please. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. That's this. Storing up treasures on earth is this. Storing up treasures on earth is this. And storing up treasures on earth is this. Now, again, I already told you up front, there's nothing wrong with the four. Come on, I love spending. Let's go. You want to go spend some money? I will go with you. I won't go with my wife because she goes too long. <laughs> but I'll go with some of you. Right? Come on, in and out. I know, I know what I want. I'm not sure what size it is. And the little girl working out there, she always gets the size too small and then embarrasses me. Like, you need a bigger size? Like, I don't even try stuff on. I'll try it on at home. If it don't fit, I can go back. Listen, I don't need someone who weighs 100 pounds telling me, like, mister, do you need a bigger size? I will punch you in the throat. <laughs> no. They don't fit in the thighs again. Come on, some of you can understand. Listen, I enjoy, like, go get some new shoes. I'm in. Go for a meal. I am in. I got for the first time this year, I am 49 years old. I've never in my entire life had a new, I bought a brand new car this year. Let's go. Black on black, baby. It's nice. Woo, fast. Speakers are loud and windows are tinted, so you can't see it's me. <laughs> I love spending. But come on, so nothing wrong with spending. God gave it to you to richly enjoy all that he's blessed you with. This is storing up treasure on earth. Nothing wrong with it. God wants you to pay your taxes. God wants you to get out of debt. 
God wants you to save. But he says, at the end of the day, if you are putting all of your eggs in the, in the earth basket, if you're putting all of your money on this side of eternity, he says, you are a fool. He says, don't put all of your treasures in earth, but rather put treasures in heaven. Well, I've, ne- I've been to lots of banks. I've never de- seen a deposit slip for, for, for heaven. You know how you deposit treasure in heaven? When you understand that living is giving, that we have a God who gave us his son. We have a God who's richly given us all things. And as his followers and his people, we emulate an attitude of generosity and a lifestyle of giving. And when you live to give, you live like your father. When you live to give, that's what eternity is about. Because when you are depositing treasure in heaven, listen, I wish everybody in this room, you had the privilege. If you haven't, you need to live this way. You need to get in that that fifth box of blessing and start being a generous person. Listen, it'll blow your mind when you help another family besides buying yourself something else that you don't need and you help a family in need. Someone who just went through a fire, someone who's having a tough Christmas, someone who's got some medical bills and you can bless them and you can see their eyes well up with tears because somebody came to the rescue. That's making a difference for eternity. When you make a deposit into the kingdom of God and God uses the financial resources because stuff is spiritual to impact somebody's relationship with Jesus and they spend eternity with the God who loves them, who sent his son to die for him. That's how you store up into eternity. Listen, what God's called us to, he says, spend all you want, retire debt, do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, make sure your priorities match up with God's planning. And we are people of eternity. We don't forget that this life is going to end, but eternity is going to continue forever. And as we live this life, we're going to remember that we have a heavenly father who blessed us and who has plans for us. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to be a fool. I want to be a person of faith. So what Jesus is saying is don't trust in things that rust. Your shoes, your new shoes, going to wear out. Your brand new car, going to break down. Your house, going to dilapidate. All the stuff that we emulate from this guy. He says, just going to rust. It's either going to end up in the trash pile or the yard sale pile. But you can store treasure in heaven. But the decision's yours. And so for us as the church, we can't do what we do without generosity, literally, of hundreds of people. So as your pastor, thank you for being generous to this house. Thank you for giving. My challenge is, as we step into 2021, for some of you to maybe make some decisions, different decisions than you made in 2020 previously. And the way you can do that is to adjust the way you spend. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, this is how we handle our money. We get a paycheck and we, well, let's be honest. We pay taxes first. Then we spend. Most of us, if we're lucky, we get right here. Come on, I'm going to hurt some feelings, but I'm trying to get you better. I'm trying to get you in God's blessing in 2021. A lot of us, man, Uncle Sam takes his cut. Then we go on a spending spree. And maybe... We, we pay some bills. Like we're late on one. I don't know if you know it. Businesses want you poor. Poor people stay poor people because they pay exorbitant rates and late fees. A lot of you, if you would just get more disciplined in how you pay your bills, you would have more money. A lot of us, we're living right here. And maybe, 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 maybe if we're lucky, we might scrimp together a few dollars. And a lot of us were like, Pastor, I would give, I would love to give, but I got my bills and I got these people I owe money. 
Uncle Sam's taking his cut. My pastor, the reason I don't give is not because I don't want to give. It's because I don't have to give. And Jesus is saying, it's, it's not that you don't have. Jesus says, every time you get a paycheck, I, you can give. It's not an attitude of, if I had more, I would give more. What Jesus says is, if you gave more, he would give you more to give. Because Jesus said, he who's faithful in small things, I'll make you ruler over much. And so a lot of us, we're living this life. If this is you, I just want to encourage you to take a, take a look at what you're doing through the lens of what Jesus taught and determine 2021 is a year you're going to have fresh finances. And a lot of us, again, this is, this is our funnel. This is our financial funnel. And if we make it, if something makes it to the bottom box, We'll give it, but don't count on it. A lot of us who live this life, there's really three ways to give. We can live as a debt builder. Debt builders are people, man, we we just keep getting further and further and further and further in debt. And it's a part of our society and culture. If that's you, I wonder what would happen if you allowed God to speak to your heart and you made true financial decisions. Now, I've been in every, I've been in all kinds of different financial categories. My wife and I have had a long financial journey. I can talk to almost anybody in this room about your finances because we've been there. We have been tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt because we like to shop. And we've been in the place, we've been in the place where we were Besides our mortgage, debt-free. I got my, I got my first credit. You know, I'm not, I didn't have a credit card for almost 20 years. I had to give a credit, get a credit card for the first time this year because my credit score was tanking because my credit was not diverse enough. And it comes down to this. You have to spend less and or make more. And that's me like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can spend any less. Because again, I know we're in all fine, but a lot of us in this room who are struggling. We are debt builders. It's really because we're spending stuff that culture says you need because life isn't what you own. Jesus is like, no, it's not. Life isn't in what you own. Life isn't how you give. And so some of us are, are debt builders. Some of us are wealth builders. Like, man, we're, we're doing well. Like our business is thriving. Like God's blessing us. And man, we, our 401k keeps getting fatter. Our savings account keeps getting bigger. And we just keep going on more trips. Again, nothing wrong with richly enjoying all things that God's blessed you with. But I want you to hear this as I close today. Listen to me. Culture is a culture of debt building and wealth building. But God's people, we're not called to be debt builders or wealth builders. We're called to be kingdom builders. Where we build the kingdom of God. That we remember our Heavenly Father and we're aware of eternity as we make financial decisions. And so today is Kingdom Builder Sunday. We've been talking about it for a few weeks to get us ready. We've been talking about Kingdom Builders. We talk about it every Sunday because it is a spearhead in how we spend and invest the resources of this house. And so if you're new to Faith Church, no financial obligations, zero if you're new. If this is your house, I want you just to hear my heart. Every year since I've been in ministry as a lead pastor, I made sure that the same way we believe that the first tenth of my personal finances and yours belongs to God, it comes to the house of God, we made sure 10%, every dollar that came in this house went right out to the mission field. And we were convinced about two years ago, hey man, God's called us to do more. And so we made a decision, we're going to do more for the kingdom of God than we've ever done. 
And so last year, because of your generosity and so many of you stepping up being kingdom builders, we gave about $700,000 above and beyond <laughs> to dig wells for the thirsty, to feed the hungry, to empower women in third world nations, to save the lost, to build orphanages, to build Bible colleges, to train the next generation of pastors, to preach the gospel all over the world, to help people in urgent need. Your generosity helped us build the kingdom. And we just didn't feed a hungry belly and put water in a thirsty mouth. Jesus said, every time you've done it for the least of these, you've done it to me. And Jesus will acknowledge that in eternity. And so as we step into a brand new year, what I'm asking is everybody in this room, everybody in this house, everybody in Lawrenceburg and watching online, if you consider Faith Church your church, I want to encourage you to make a commitment in 2021 to be a kingdom builder. A kingdom builder is above and beyond your tithe to give generously. It's a generosity initiative for us to build the kingdom. On all the seatbacks in this room are partners that we partner with. You can't know all of them. All I'm asking is for you to look down and just look at the one in front of you. We have partnerships in our backyard. We have partnerships in this nation. We have partnerships all over this world. Jesus is saying, the ministry you're looking at, the faces looking back, the description you're reading, that's what life's about. That's how you become a kingdom builder. So what I'm asking today is for everybody in this room who calls Faith Church home to consider making a pledge to 2021. So whether you do it all at once or once a month or once a week, above and beyond your tithe, that you'll help us together again to reach that goal, $750,000. We can do that together. I want to ask everybody, there's a card, a Kingdom Builders card in the seat back in front of you. If everybody just grab it. Even if you're not going to fill it out, just humor me and grab it. Everybody grab a Kingdom Builders card. And hold it up. Hold it up when you got it. Hold it, hold it, hold it. If someone beside you is not holding one, look at them and cause them great shame. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. I'm just kidding around. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your... Thank you for your passion. I just want... Our worship team is going to lead us, and I want to encourage you. Some of you came planning to do this. Some of you prepared to do this. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you now. And I want to challenge you to, to have a meectomy right here and say, God, what would you have me do in 2021? And just write that out. Give us your name. Just let us know what you're planning because as you plan, that's how we plan. We have made financial commitments to our part, ministry partners. Here's what we're giving no matter what. So we're already, we already got skin in the game. But we've also said the more our people give, the more we'll give you. So we have commitments and then we have dreams. Based on what you give empowers our dreams to bless these ministries. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, I need some time to think about this. We have a digital card. Or if you're watching online, you say, man, I'd love to do this. You have a digital option to fill out a Kingdom Builders card online at igotofaith.com slash kb and you can follow a link there the worship team is going to lead us I want to pray for you I want to pray for your financial health God's whole financial plan is about your spending retiring debt it's about your saving your giving it's about all of it so Father I pray in Jesus name Lord there's lots of people in this room in Lawrenceburg and watching online who are struggling financially God I pray in Jesus name Father that your blessing would come God we depend on you you are our provider and Father, I pray, God, as you provide, that, God, you'll give us the wisdom. And God, give us the discipline to steward and manage well the resources you've given us. And, God, I pray that we would flip the script of culture. And, Father, I pray, God, we would not be debt builders. We would not be wealth builders. But, God, we would be kingdom builders. And, God, we would remember our Heavenly Father 
and we would plan for eternity. So Lord, help us right in this room. Holy Spirit, speak to us. From the most, from the person who has the most wealth, most wealth to the person who has the least, challenge us to live the life of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.